Well, listen, as long as you start uh, helping us out in the kitchen, all right. Uh, you can start by sticking your face in, 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 in the freezer and making us some ugly things. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might be. It's me, your pal, Junkman, back with another exciting episode of Junkman Radio. Welcome to the program. Glad you could make it. Get yourself a cocktail or something, whatever, to cool you off or heat you up. Relax, crank up the speakers, and uh, get ready for a killer, killer show featuring all kinds of the music that you've come to know and love, especially if you listen to this show on a regular basis. You know what I'm talking about. You never know what's going to come hit you. We play without a set list here, my friends. Yep, I feel it. I give it to you. It's from my personal collection, and I hope you enjoy. So let's get ready to rock and start things out just that way. From way down under with my friends Airborne, ready to rock on Junkman Radio. Are you...
not that.
Man Radio, my baby loves the rock too. How about yours? <laughs> yeah, that, my friends, is Cheap Trick, one of my favorites from them. And my baby loves to rock the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. Cheap Trick, how about that? Pretty cool. I love that fact. Well deserving and still out in the road, kicking ass just about every day of the week. You can find a Cheap Trick show someplace. <laughs> that says a lot, man. All right, brand new from our good friends Buck Cherry before that. And Bent is the name of that song from their latest record entitled War Paint. I'm going to be having Buck Cherry on the on the show here pretty soon. So just be prepared for that. That's coming. Yep, and they're coming towards you too. they got a tour going on and out on the road as well. Definite road dogs. I've actually seen those two bands play together. I was at the Rock and the Range Festival in Columbus, Ohio a few years ago. And Cheap Trick was just rocking the house. I happened to be on stage watching them. And the guys from Buck Cherry came out, Stevie, and uh, and the guys from Buck Cherry came on and rocked out with Cheap Trick. And that was a real thrill for everybody. So that was a good time. That was also the day that I got to actually have the, um, the uh, famous Rick Nielsen Cheap Trick five guitar neck guitar around my neck which was pretty awesome and a uh, big thanks to uh, the late great Larry Malero for that uh, opportunity 
All right, before Cheap Trick, we did a killer one band called She'll Be So Fine. She, man, I just love that band. Room Full of Blues. Uh, starting at She'll Be So Fine, the name of that tune. Just an up-tempo rocker featuring that killer band, man. They were, they're so good. I don't even know if they're still around, but they, they had a couple of different lead singers the last couple of records and had a few member changes. But, uh, man, picture this. Just a rock and blues band with a horn section. And they just they smoked every night for years and years and years up and down, mostly around the East Coast. I believe they're from uh, Providence area, Rhode Island. And just smoking ass, kick-ass band, room full of blues. And started our set out with Airborne and Ready to Rock. So some serious rocking going on down there. And there's lots of rocking to continue. We're just getting started here with Junk Band Radio. I'm going to rock you guys right now with a brand new song from Queensryche. This is Blood of the Levant. Brand new from Queensryche on Junk Band Radio.
Junkman Radio. That, my friends, is corn. That's right. And got the life. Corn actually is uh, getting ready for a big tour. Going to be touring with Allison Chains this summer. Sounds like a great double bill. And there'll be more bands to add it to, uh, to those shows. So get ready. They're coming to see it. If you haven't seen the documentary yet on uh, Brian Head Welch from Corn, his story about uh, his battle with drugs and uh, becoming a dad, uh, it's a really, really good watch. You should check it out, um, especially for people, you know, that have been involved in things like that, both, you know. I mean, becoming a dad, I've been told, I'm not a father, but not that I know him anyway, uh, that <laughs> is uh, is something to uh, come to grips with. And uh, when you're a single dad, like uh, like Brian was forced to be, um, you got to put things aside. And his battle with a bunch of different things is uh, on this new documentary about him. Go look it up. I believe it's on like Netflix and things like that. You can find it. And uh, I highly suggest it. I watched it one night and... Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed Brian before. He's an interesting guy. Head is, a, is his nickname, but uh, he's just a very, very interesting guy, and he would have to be to be in corn. And the guys in corn are really, really down-to-earth guys, and uh, I've always admired that band, and they've become superstars, which is really, for a band that you know came out of Bakersfield, California and hung out in Huntington Beach for a while where I live, uh, I didn't think I was going to see them become as large as they are and they're just you know worldwide huge 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 band in modern rock so props to corn but that one got the life going way 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 back earlier in their career but uh great song uh red sun rising another band that i've watched rise actually out of uh, uh they're from ohio and they're just you know they're in active rock these days they're one of the players they're awesome a great band, and that song was called Push. Played that one before that. An Italian band that I've loved for quite a while, playing, you know, uh, Lacuna Coil preceded Red Sun Rising, and a great song called Spellbound, featuring the, uh, the dual lead vocalists in that particular band, Man and Woman, you know, Christina Scabia, the, the woman, just belting it out. Great stuff. And uh, Andy, the uh, the uh, male singer of that band, just, you know, a great duet. Really, really, really cool stuff. I love what Lacuna Coil does. And another band that'll be out on the road. You'll go check them out from Italy, Lacuna Coil. Started things out with a brand new one from Queensryche and Blood of the Levant. Brand new from, um, from Queensryche. And they're going to be guests on the Junk Man Show coming up soon, too. I just kind of talked to people today about that. So that uh, is something to stay uh, focused on, looking forward to. You'll hear about it. It's coming up. So, uh, Lots of guests, including a guest today, coming up in just, I believe, right after this particular song. And I think maybe I'll give you a little hint. Right now, my... Old friend, the late, great Ronnie James Dio and his band. This is the last in line on Junkman Radio. Stay tuned.
It's Junk Band Radio. That's right. Junk Band here. And uh, hey, I got a very special guest on the line. I'm glad to have him. An old friend to uh, many of us in the rock community, Vivian Campbell, guitar player for, well, you know, you knew him from uh, you knew him from the Dio Band. You knew him from River Dogs. You knew him from Thin Lizzy. And now with uh, Last in Line. How you doing, Vivian? Welcome to hey, Junk Band for- Radio. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks, Chuck. You forgot Def Leppard. <laughs> well, you know, I'm leading up to that, my friend, you know. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, right, we got okay. it all. You know, we got it all. You're uh, you're I, quite a busy guy, I must say. I, I've been with a lot of bands, yes, indeed. Well, it's a good I, thing, you know. It's it's yeah. seasoning, correct? <laughs> it is, actually, yeah. I mean, I've had a, I've had a very colorful career. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very... Um, very pleased, you know, that I got the chance to to work with so many great artists and bands and musicians over the years, and yeah, now I'm in not one but two very good bands. Yeah, know, it's very cool. different bands, you know, with Leopard and Last in Line. Yep, and it's awesome because you know what? Again, you've got so much going on this year. When you know, a lot of people at, at different points in their career, as you know, they they kind of slow down. Not you, man. You're just like, re, you know, regenerating. And you know, you had some health issues before that. Just it seems to be like that's just yesterday's news now. Now it's like full steam ahead. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the opposite for me. I've actually never been so busy as I have been in the yeah. last uh, several years of my life. And, yeah, it's and wonderful. I'm really en- enjoying it too. You know, it's uh, it's sort of like you know, and maybe it was you know the, the health issues. You know, I had a, a lymphoma diagnosis in 2013, and you know, t- um, so I've been dealing with that for ever since actually and you know it's still kind of ongoing but i've been very fortunate that i've found a treatment that works for me in immunotherapy and uh so the hardest part about that to be honest is just scheduling treatments you know because i'm so busy but i think it's sort of let a bit of a fire under my ass you know and it's just, yeah you know you, it, life is always going to be shorter than you anticipate you know and you know i i between one thing and all that was that was one reason but but another reason why you know specifically pertaining to the last in line project uh you had mentioned thin lizzie there in your introduction and you know i was only with lizzie briefly like a, a stunt guitar player if you like for a few months scott gorham called me up uh on a year when def leopard were were, were not very busy and, and kind of asked if i could go to a european tour with the band and and i jumped at the chance and it was it was off the the heels of that off the back of that um, that I just kind of reconnected with with my inner seventeen year old, you know, and I really wanted to get back to, to to playing angry, aggressive rock guitar all the time, you know, and uh, you know, just to be on stage with those guys and Lizzie with Scott Gorham and Brian Downey, the original drummer, and playing the songs of my youth, you know, playing Emerald and playing Black Rose and Jailbreak, uh, Don't Believe a Word. I mean, the songs that, that were. That, that I explored and, and disseminated in the, the formative years of my guitar playing when I was really honing my craft in my teenage years, you know, and, and just to be on stage playing them with, with original members of Thin Lizzy, you know, it, it kind of, like I said, it really kind of got me going. And, and it was off the back of that tour I came back and I called up uh, Vinnie Apice and, and Jimmy Bain, the original uh, drummer and bass player from the, the first EO band, you know, and, and uh, I just wanted to play. And one thing led to another and we met Andrew Freeman and, here we are, you know, um, second album. Yeah, it's a hell of a pro- yeah, it's a hell of a project too. I mean, uh, Andrew, Andrew had called me up. Uh, Andrew and I are old friends, and he had called me up, and he said, "Just so you know, he said I'm about to become the most hated man in rock and roll." <laughs> and I said, "I can't, I can't see that because everybody I know that that knows you as well likes you as a good guy." He goes, "Just trust me on this." And so when the record <laughs> came out, you know, I listened to the first record and I loved it. It was awesome, you know. And I, you know, I'm with a lot of people. I'm a big Dio fan, you know. I just I loved everything that he did. And uh, you know, when when the band came out, that was that was you guys. And to resurrect this thing initially as a tribute and watch it grow, it just it makes me so happy to see uh, Last in Line Two happening. Um, tell us, you know, again, it's, it's become, it's become more than just a tribute, right? Well, you know, when we started, it, it was just a fun thing, you know, yeah. it, like I said, it grew out of the jam with, with Vinny and Jimmy and I, and as soon as, you know, the three of us started playing and at that point, you know, we're talking about back in the middle of 2011, um, when we first started jamming and I, I think it had been 27 or 28 years at that point since Vinny and Jimmy and I had played together. And as soon as we started playing, it was, it could have been 30 minutes because the chemistry of the original sound of the, the original deal band was right there. It was immediate. Uh, and we all got, you know, goosebumps. We got really excited about it. And that's why we started talking about, Oh, let's, you know, actually make a project out of this but um our ambition was was only to just play some southern california area shows of which i caught 
of which I yeah, saw. Exactly. I loved it. I saw it at the slide bar in Fullerton. Exactly. That, that was the very first show we ever yep. played. And it was just, we just wanted to play songs from our early career with Ronnie. I mean, songs that we wrote and recorded with Ronnie. I mean, songs that, that, that were part of our heritage as much as Ronnie's. And, and it just, you know, it kind of grew from there. And we yeah. had no ambition. We had no idea that, that here we would be years later talking about not only our first album of original music, but our second album. Um, you know, had I known it was going to get to the stage, I don't think I would have called the band Last in Line, to be honest. Uh, it seemed like the perfect name at the time because Ronnie had passed away about a year or so prior to that. Uh, and Jimmy and Vinny and I, we were the last in line. And obviously it was the name of the song in the second album we did with Ronnie. So uh, it seemed like a cute kind of appropriate name to call it that. But um, like I said, we had no ambition that it, that it would take us this far. We had no idea it would grow into this thing. But it, you know, we ended up being invited to play in the UK and Japan and whatnot. And we just kind of grew. And then Frontiers Records called us in late, 2014 i think it was and, and asked if we'd be interested in writing and recording new music and and we decided to go ahead and do that um and the first album you know came out in february about exactly three years ago february of 2016 and uh, as you know we lost jimmy a month before it was released jimmy yeah, passed I... away with lung cancer and that that just totally uh, took the wind out of the sails as you can imagine you know, we cancelled the tour and whatnot. And, but then the the record got such a great response. You know, Heavy Crown was really well-reviewed and, and people really seemed to like it. And, and you know, we, we thought, well, we, we owe it to Jimmy. We owe it to his memory and we owe it to ourselves. You know, we, we put a lot of time and, and effort into it. And, um, you know, we, we shouldn't just let it wither on the vine. So uh, we ended up picking up some of those true dates, some of the later dates. And, and uh, we, we played with a few different bass players and, we were very fortunate that, that Phil Suzanne walked in the room and, and as soon as we started playing with Phil, you know, Andy and, and Vinny and myself, we knew that he was the right guy for it. And, you know, he's played with Ozzy back in the eighties. He knew yeah. Jimmy, he was a good friend of Jimmy's, you know. So very much cut from the same cloth and understands the, the nuances and of the genre and, and where we're coming from. And plus he's English, you know, and I kinda kept that Anglo US balance that the band has, you know, or Celtic U.S. balance as it was with me and Jimmy, but, you know, it's still, you know, the band, as indeed the original Dio band, was was always two Americans and two Europeans, and, and there is, you know, I like that balance, and it, it, Absolutely. Worked for, it worked for the original Dio band, it worked for Last in Line when Jimmy was alive, and it's working for us now with Phil, and, you know, it's, it's a humor kind of thing, too, because you spend a couple hours on stage day to day but the rest of the time you're you know in a van or, or on an airplane or in a dressing room with each other and you, you kind of have to get along you know you got to have a similar uh, sensibility and sense of humor and, and phil fits right in there well knowing knowing all you guys in this band i could definitely see the, the connection that's for sure uh first question i got about uh the last in line too now the material on this was most of this r material written after phil had joined the band or or was some no. of it left over from uh from the first sessions no no everything that 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 the band has done and this is always the ethos and the, again this goes back to the early Dio albums the first uh incarnation of the Dio band we would go into a room and write for the most part, um, when when the Dio band first formed, we we had one and a half songs. Ronnie had one and a half songs. He had written the song "Holy Diver," and he had half written "Don't Talk to Strangers." And you know everything else we built from the ground up. We'd go into rehearsal room and we'd just jam a lot of the the uh, the Holy Diver album or, or reconstituted riffs from Sweet Savage songs. You know, which is a band I was in prior to Dio. Um, 
so you know and, and with the last in line album itself from 1984 i mean we, we wrote it from the ground up we just be in a rehearsal room we'd play someone would have an idea jimmy would have an idea i'd have an idea ronnie'd have an idea or even Vinny would just start playing a beat and it would inspire something and, and that same uh, approach to to writing is is what we we used when we were doing the heavy crown album with jimmy and, and what we've done with phil you know when phil was on tour with the band uh, back in 2016, 2017. You know, uh, he and I were having a drink at a hotel bar somewhere in Europe, and, and he said, I got some songs I'd really like to play you guys for the next album. I said, well, I, said, I appreciate that, Phil, but that, that's not how we work. I, and I kind of explained it. We go in and we just, we grow it organically, you know. It's like it starts from something small, and everyone gets to, to throw the roar in, you know, it's like we, we bounce ideas off each other. And, and to me, that's always been um, the best way to work in music like this. You know, you're not talking about, I mean, with Def Leppard, it's a very, very different thing. Right. Def Leppard is a very crafted band. When we write songs at Leppard, it's very targeted. It's very specific. Um, it's not just about getting 10 or 11 songs to go on an album with Leopard. It's, it's, you know, we'll discuss what kind of an album we want to make before we even write a note. Whereas with, with Last in Line and, and hard rock bands of that genre, it's, it's more riffy. It's, it's a bit more, um, I, I think there's a bit more latitude to just go out there and, and just play. And that's what we did on this album. And, and, um, it, it kind of, it picks up the different flavors of the individuals. I, I feel, you know, and, and, helps to to coalesce around the the sound that that you make uh collectively you know and, and that to me grows the sound of a band you know and i i really think that that with the two album we found the sound of last in line you know on heavy crown there was uh there was obviously some modern leanings with andrew's influence you know andrew wasn't part of the original deal band but you know jimmy and Vinny and i were and the rest of it you know kind of certain songs had really to, to my ears, at least, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but to, to my ears, they sounded like they were, they could have been on early Dio records, you know, like the song um, Devil and Me, for one, you know, just has that sort of big, ponderous, sort of heavy backbeat, you know, that Vinny plays. And, and I, I could hear Ronnie singing on that kind of stuff. And I, I think with, with Last in Line 2, th there are a couple of songs that I could hear belonging you know in in early on early deal records like the song blackout the sun for instance mm -hmm. um but for the most part i i think it, it sounds like it's got its own character you know absolutely so, it does have its own entity but you can you can you can hear those influences in there is what i was going to get to i'm glad you brought that up that's awesome well, yeah well, when, when, when Vinny and i play you know it, it's not like we went in to the studio said oh we're going to make a song you know or an album that, that's kind of reminiscent of the deal sound you know we were part of the original band and that's, that's how we play so Vinny just has a certain style um that he brings to 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 ideas i just have a certain way i just want to play guitar mm -hmm. um and, and you know that that is characteristic of the original deal band so that that is inherent to us but the the different influences with last in line are obviously with andrew freeman and phil susan and you know andy is a much more edgy uh singer than Ronnie. Obviously his tonality is totally different and that's part of the reason why we were able to do the, the project in the first place because Andrew does not sound like Ronnie. I mean, Ronnie was the best of the genre at the time and he was a thoroughly unique voice and he, he created this whole niche for himself you know in his style and his vocal tonality and then what he wrote about him and his lyrics were very uh, uh, 
mythical, you know, and, and storytelling. And that was Ronnie's expertise, you know. And Andrew's a very, very different kind of singer. He's he's very powerful, like like Ronnie was, but a totally different tonality. Um, and, you know, likes to extend his range a lot. And, and lyrically, Andrew doesn't write... Um, thematically and he doesn't write love songs i mean andrew kind of i think you know and and you obviously know him you know i think he kind of writes socially you know i mean he yeah writes yeah about what what affects him and what's going on in, in the real world well he's time, got eyes you know? he's got eyes he sees a lot and he hears a lot too which is you know yeah. that's the way it should be <laughs> exactly and, and he crafts those into songs you know yep. and uh, yep. and he's really really good at it but he's also kind of edgy and angry in a way, you know, and, and kind of has this punk side to him. And, and uh, you know, I think that's delivered not only in his lyrics, but but in the, some of the staccato nature of, of the, the melody lines, you know, and how he delivers those lyrics. So so he brought that kind of more modern edge to, to the songs. And Phil is a very, very adventurous bass player compared to Jimmy. Uh, and so I think musically, you know, Phil kind of stretched us a bit, you know, now that he's part of the band. And, and I think a lot of the songs... Um, kind of have these extra little musical parts that we we didn't necessarily do on the Heavy Crown album. I'd, I'd say, you know, the, the one song on Heavy Crown that I can think of that kind of was a little bit more interesting was the closing song in the album, a song called The Sickness. Right. Um, whereas on, on the two album, I, I feel like there's three or four songs that are that intricate and that involved and that ambitious, you know? And so I think Phil kind of has pushed us a bit in that direction and uh, made us a bit more uh, interesting, perhaps, you know, I, I don't know what the right adjective is for it, but, but all in all, I mean, the two album does really sound like, like we've like a band finding its sound, which is another reason why I elected to call it too. Um, I, have, I have a couple of reasons. That was one, obviously, because it really feels like we we found our identity with this album. Like it's a band second album, and that's normally when bands find their feet. Um, and and the, the second reason I wanted to call it two was just uh, as I was saying earlier, because the name of the band Last in Line, there is still a certain uh, element of confusion around that to the casual fan who's maybe not familiar with the history of the band and the origins. Um, that I didn't want to give it another name title like we had with Heavy Crown. I just wanted to simplify it, you know, and, and you don't get much more symbols than two. <laughs> and I know it's not an original title by any means, you know, but but I still just thought it was appropriate at this time. Well, guys like me are, are, are here to help you clear that up, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> so let's jump into it. Um, I, you know, the first single is Landslide. Um, tell us a little bit about that song. Um, it was one of the not the first song we wrote, but it was, it was one of the earlier ones. Um, I, I was goofing off in, in the rehearsal room and, and playing with a toggle switch on the Les Paul and, and doing that sort of staccato thing that's on the intro of the song. And, and Vinny is always the first to let me know if, I ha- if I'm on to something, <laughs> you know, be, be it in a rehearsal room or in a dressing room or sound check, whatever. If I'm doing something that catches his ear, he always goes, hey, what's, that's cool, that's cool, let's, let's play with that. So, whereas with me, I would do something and then, you know, just kind of move on and forget about it. But Vinny is great about recording stuff mm-hmm. on his phone as we go around the world playing shows. And, he, you know, I'll play something. He'll go, oh, i got to record that. And then, because I forget about it. And then Vinny will play it for me about six or 12 months later. And we'll go, oh, yeah, that's nice. Let's work on that riff. So um, I was kind of goofing around with that. And we just kind of launched into it. You know, Vinny just started playing the beat. Um, and and like, like so many of the songs, not all of them, but most of them, we just kind of, we kind of get there. We just kind of fall into 
these different things and and within a few minutes we come up with something that's a bit of a building block and we just take it from there like what does this sound like to you does this sound like an intro does it sound like a chorus does it sound like a verse does it sound like a middle eight you know and, and we, we take it from there we kind of decide what that would be um uh, frequently you know because andrew lives in vegas now you know and the rest of us are la area for the most part that um andrew wasn't always there when we were initially crafting the idea so we kind of have to think put ourselves in his shoes for a minute and think well it would Andrew be able to sing over this as a verse? And anyway, long story short, whatever we do, you know, Phil would always record it at the end of the day. We do a couple of passes of it and Phil would cl- uh, clean it up, get the best one we had and send it to Andy and the rest of us. And, and you know, most of the time Andy would, would take what we would send and and he would write back to us and say, this is great, I can, I can work with this. Or sometimes he would say, I don't hear this arrangement the way you're hearing it. He'd throw it into Pro Tools and chop it and change it and move it around. Sometimes what we would hear is a verse, Andy was hearing as a bridge or so on. Um, and then there were other times when Andy was able to be in LA and be in the room with us. And, and frankly, those were always the best times, you know, when, when all four of us are there and, and he can give us immediate feedback on it. But it was all done kind of piecemeal, you know, as indeed the Heavy Crown album was done the same, given everyone's busy schedules, you know. Yeah, it's you hard guys, to find yeah. time when we're all together. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it would be ideal to think, you know, that at some point, you know, we could actually write and record an album the way the way we did back in the 80s, where you actually get together for several weeks, you know, and you don't have to kind of just do a few hours or a day or so here at a time. You know, but, but the business has changed very much, and this is still a side project, albeit a very, very serious one, you know, so it, it's hard to find time when we're all... Uh, you know, we've all got the free time. We're all in the same city, and so we can sit down and focus on things. Well, let's crank it up for the uh, crank it up for the listeners right now. So, uh, we'll be back with uh, with uh, Vivian Campbell in just a moment. So, hang on the line, just a minute. We're going to go crank up a little uh, landslide for you right now from the Last in Line record. It's on uh, Frontiers Music. It's been released this past Friday, a big day, which we'll go into a little bit more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you can find it at, uh, at any record seller or wherever you want online and we'll, we'll get into all that after this, but, uh, yeah, we're just, uh, we're going to go crank it up right now. So again, this is brand new from last in line. This is called landslide. We'll be back with Vivian in just a moment. Hang on the line, my friend. All right. Crank it.
Junk Man Radio, brand new from Last in Line. Man, Vivian, awesome stuff. That was Landslide. Thank you very much, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoy playing it. We've actually been playing that, that song. I've, we've been playing three songs from the new album uh, in the shows that we've done over the last uh, six weeks or so. And, and we've been opening with that one. And it's, it's a lot of fun to play live. Yeah, you, you know, again, as I mentioned before, just you, I, I know you guys' personalities, and you can feel all those personalities coming out in the music. So that uh, that is definitely something that I want you to know that I notice anyway. Cool. Thank you, thank you, so, thank you. Um, you know what? We were talking on the break a little bit about production. Now, you guys have got um, Jeff Pilsen once again working, uh, who, who produced the record. And why did, of all people, I know he did the first record, but... Uh, he, you know, of all the people, why why Jeff and you know his production skills? Well, well, Jeff has been a friend of ours for a long, long time. I first met Jeff Pilson on the original Last in Line tour in 1984 when Dawkins opened for Dio uh-huh. on that entire North American tour, and you know, so I, I've known him since, and I I know the kind of person he is and and his energy. And and when we did the Heavy Crown album uh, with Jeff, uh, we recorded that in 2015. Um, you know, he's just, he's a great talent. He's a great, great producer. And as you know, you know him as a bass player and you know, he can sing a bit, you know, he can write a bit. Um, there's, there's so, so much more to Jeff. He occasionally he's, acts too. <laughs> does he? Actually, I didn't even know that, but, but he, he's, he's a great, great producer. I, I can't speak highly enough about Jeff uh, in, in that aspect that he's just a, a, such a well-rounded musician and, and a great engineer too. And, and has a great home studio and, and his, his vibe and his energy is always very upbeat. And when you're around people like that, it, it brings the best out of you. So um, it worked great on, on, uh, on the Heavy Crown album, and it, I thought it worked great on this record too. And and as always with all of us, uh, it's the same with Jeff. I mean, the hardest aspect of it is, is just nailing down a schedule because he's very, very, very busy. Sure, you know, he's um, out on the so road with Foreigner like all the time. So all the time, yeah, they do a lot of shows year round. So it was really difficult nailing down time with with Jeff uh, all the way through it. In fact, towards the end of the project. Um, we needed to deliver. We were we were in danger of, of missing our window to meet our delivery date. And we'd already kind of dragged it on. I'd kind of really wanted this album to be out in 2018. That was always the original plan. Um, so we actually had to finish up a, a little bit of it without Jeff. Like some of the last vocals, Andy had to do at his home studio and, and Phil had to do some parts in his home studio. And, um, but, but Jeff definitely, you know, put together the meat and potatoes of the record and we cut uh, the majority of the tracks with him and and his input is, is just invaluable on that because he he's such an experienced musician and a writer and you know he he really kind of helped us um trim some of the fat if you like you know from some of the songs because you know the songs were brand new to us we obviously didn't get much chance to live with them before we were cutting them and uh, you know so sometimes you don't always have a great perspective and that's one of the uh, the very valuable aspects that that an outside producer can bring to the project you know when he comes in and he's hearing something with with a fresh set of ears and like I say, this whole different perspective, and um, Jeff was was great helping us with some of the final arrangements on the tracks. So in addition he's, to so many other, is he one of the is he one of those producers that works pretty quickly, or is another guy that you know oh, that you, you basically he, take a he, lot of time he, doing? <laughs> he's fast. He's fast. Um, 
Yeah, he, he in, in in fact maybe he's a little bit too fast, you know? <laughs> and, and maybe that's as a result of him being so busy. He's always looking at the clock. I got to do this. We got to finish. Yeah, I got to pick you up know, my uh, kid from school. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's always that aspect in the background, you know. So, um, and and he drinks a lot of coffee, as we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, you have to. He's always go, 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 go. Wow. Um, yeah, but he he doesn't hang around. He gets it. Yeah, and a lot of times, the, you know, the first six can be the best ones. Um, but it's also nice to have the the time to take a breath and, and reflect on things and say, okay, well, now that we've kind of got a framework, let's go in and try and get a better performance. So, you know, uh, there's, there's always that battle going on between the, the artist and the, the producer, you know. Well, it's a very clean production. I really, really admire what he's done that. So my ears thank him a lot for just doing that, you know. Like, you'll, you'll, you know, every now and then you'll hear a record that's got a very uneven production work. This one is very, very smooth, and I love that. Because it just makes yeah. for better playing loud, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think we all share the same sensibilities about how to record and, and you know, or organic nature of, of capturing sound at the source and not trying to do too much in post-production. Um, and the same is true of Chris Collier, who's the guy who mixed the record for us. And, and Chris also mixed um, the Heavy Crown album for us. And um, when we were cutting the Heavy Crown album, uh, we had... Chris come down to Jeff's studio and that's the first time we met him and he listened to the first tracks we cut and we asked him to go home and listen to the Holy Diver album uh, and and to try and mix our records with that same kind of sensibility. You know, modern records, I'm, I'm not a technical guy, but I, I know that what my ears tell me uh, and modern, so, so many modern records, not all, but certainly most of, you know, we're in this compression war that's been going on for years and years right. where everyone wants, everyone wants their record to be louder than everyone else's. And, and so everything is compressed at every level. When you, when you, when you cut the track, every instrument's compressed when it's bounced down, it's compressed again, when it's mixed, it's compressed again, when it's mastered, it's super squashed, you know, and, and you do end up getting very, very punchy tracks, but at the same time, you can just be totally losing all the dynamics. And then you go back and listen listen to records of the earlier generations, like like from the, the late 70s and, and records from the early 80s still weren't that heavily compressed. And and you get less ear fatigue. I, I find with a lot of modern, particularly rock music, it, it's tiring to listen to because of the high compression rate. Right, right. Um, so we wanted to, you know, we want like when Vinny hits a cymbal, I want to hear it rise and fall. You know, I, I don't want it to just like, squash, squash and just be, you know. um, so it's, we need, I think Jeff really understands that. And Chris Collier really got it too. You know, they, they leave air around the instruments. We, the instruments need room in which to resonate, you know, and in which to, to, to grow into. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy that, that we, we still managed to find that sensibility on our records, you know? Did you did you learn anything new this time around about maybe mic placement or anything like that? I Techniques. I I don't, I don't really. I mean, I, I don't pay a lot of attention, like I said, to technical stuff. Yeah, just make it sound um, good for me, okay? Yeah, <laughs> it's your I, job. I trust, the, I trust the people I work with. You know, good. if it doesn't sound right, I'll say something. But, good. Um, I I don't. You know, one of the things about. Pro Tools and all the other uh, platforms that have been out for the last couple of decades. And, you know, we all have home studios or we've had, I don't at the moment, but I did have a Pro Tools rig for many, many years. Um, you know, and, and when you first get into all this stuff, it, it kind of, the it's a great tool, but so, so many musicians think of themselves as engineers all of a sudden. You know, I have a profound respect for the art of engineering. It really is a skill that, that not many musicians can can master um it, it you know 
when I play guitar, I, I've been doing it for, for decades, literally, and I, I've dedicated my life to it. And I, I believe I'm really, really good at it because of the hard work that I've put into it. And I understand the nuances behind it. Um, so I can appreciate it when I hear somebody else's craft. And, and I when I hear a record that's really, really well recorded or mixed or both, you know, I, I can really have great appreciation for the people who actually place the mics and who who carve out the sounds and, and cut the tracks and mix the records and master the records. It really is a skill set that so many people think is just as simple as putting the mic in front of an instrument. Yeah, it, it's very you know, similar to photography. There's people that have yeah. a camera and there's people that are photographers. There's a big <laughs> difference, you know? Very, very well put. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, and I, I kind of feel that way when I go to see Jeff Beck play guitar. I feel like a guitar oh. owner as opposed to a guitar player. <laughs> Man, what a but tour the, that I was! Think he's huh? the only one that makes me feel that way. You know? What a tour that was this past year! Oh my God, as yeah. always, you know. So something new from him every single time. But that's another story altogether. Let's uh, <laughs> let's play another track off this record, um, off of uh, off a of lasted line too. Pick one out and tell us why. Oh, you know, that that's tough because there's not one track that I dislike on this record. It's and, and I don't say that about many records that I've been involved in. Um gosh, you put me on the spot here. Uh, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> um the, the album is a dark album thematically. Uh you know, we live in dark times and like I said earlier, Andrew writes about what's going on in the world around him and, and it is a dark time in in a, in a lot of ways, but but you know, we are hopeful people and and at the end of the day, I think we all like to be optimistic and we like to, to lean towards that sensibility more than the other. Um, and the album closes with a song called The Light, uh, which I think is kind of uplifting. And, and that was one of the reasons why we, we put it at the very end of the record, because we, we don't want to be Debbie Downer about all this stuff, you know. Right. Uh, and at the, at the end of, of what could be interpreted as a dark record, there's this very positive and uplifting track. So I'd go with The Light. Well, let's give it a shot. Let's crank it up for the uh, people here on Junkman Radio. Uh, we're going to be back with Vivian in just a moment. So, again, hang on the line. And we got some more information to tell you about uh, your other band as well, too. So let me, uh, let me get into this. This is The Light, again, from Last in Line 2. Uh, it's been released this past Friday on Frontiers Music, produced by Jeff Pilsen, as we mentioned. And, uh, yeah, let's crank up The Light. So hang on the line there, Vivian. We'll be back with you in just a moment. It's Junk Band Radio and Last in Line, The Light. Direction of the day 
Junk Man Radio. That's right, brand new from Last in Line, from Last in Line 2. That is The Light. Nice work, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun song. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Can you? Yep, there you go. I just had to crank up one of the notches a little bit, man. Okay. But, uh yeah, man, just, uh, that's, again, as you mentioned, that's a great way to end up the record with this particular track. So, the light, very, you know, again, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and it's not as bad as you think. You can actually have some good thoughts and just, you know, crank up some good rock to go along with it. So, uh, again, yeah, I'm just kind of losing you on vocal-wise. I don't know what's going on here. There we go. Now I got you. All right. All right, I can hear you now. Cool. Yeah, it just yeah, it fade, it's got a nice fade to it. It's just it's a good record. Now you're gonna be playing that particular song live. You you mentioned you played about three of them. We, we haven't played that one live yet. We've been playing Landslide, uh, Blackout the Sun, uh, and Year of the Gun. Gotcha. The three that we have been playing. Um, we are our next shows are in uh, Ohio, Illinois, and Michigan. Uh, around the middle of March, and uh, we're going to add a fourth new song for those shows. We're going to bring out something else from the record. Cool. Well, you can so, find uh, you can find out tour schedules on is it lastinline.com? Is that the is that the website? It's, it's lastinlineofficial.com. Oh well, there you go. Uh, so yeah, so all tour dates are on there, and links to to ban the album from iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff. And of course, Frontiers Music uh, website as well too. So you can yes. find out anything on there too. Now, if that's not enough to keep one man busy, again. <laughs> As you know, Vivian is in Def Leppard, and Def Leppard's got some big news. The same day that the Last in Line record, this uh, past uh, Friday, the 22nd, uh, tickets went on sale for Def Leppard live in Las Vegas doing a doing a uh, a series of shows at the Zappos Theater at the Planet Hollywood Resort. And that's coming up in August and September. Man, so... One big day for you this past Friday with two huge announcements, man. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so we're we're looking forward to Vegas. Um, it's our second uh, residency in Las Vegas. The first one was back in 2013, uh, and that was at Hard Rock. And we did uh, the Hysteria album in sequence. That was the first time we'd ever done that and presented a show like that. So the, the good thing about doing a residency in Vegas is it really allows you a lot of leeway and a lot of latitude in terms of how you can present the show. Uh, when you take a show on the road and, and you're just going to a different city night after night, it's a very conventional sort of a performance. Um, in Vegas, when you're doing a residency, uh, anything can go, you know, literally. I mean, we can present the show any way we want. In 2013, we actually became our own opening act um, because we were presenting the Hysteria album in sequence. <laughs> and Hysteria is only like 42 minutes or something like that. Right. Um, you did the, start to finish. So, the Dirty so it, Bird. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not enough to actually play. You can't just play 40-something minutes of music and, and call it a show. So we had to build a show around that. Um, we, we had a big stage set and, you know, all the bells and whistles as usual. But uh, we, we had a big curtain that closed on the Def Leppard stage and we set up in front of that old school with a small drum riser and the amps on the floor and no production beyond that. Um, and we went out as Dead Flatbird. Oh, that was Dead Flatbird. I was thinking Dirty yeah. Bird, but yeah, Dead Flatbird. So we, we built ourselves as the world's greatest <laughs> Def Leppard cover band. And, um, that was brilliant. And it, worked. and it was great because uh, we, we went out there and we played a slightly different show as Dead Flatbird every every time we played. 
and uh, we we went deep in it. You know, we play album cuts. We played some really obscure stuff. We played uh, we played a couple songs from the band's first album. We, wow. we played we played uh, we played one song that the band's never ever performed live before. You know, and, and it was it was a lot of work to to, to learn it and rehearse it, uh, but it was certainly worth it. And it the sort of thing that the hardcore fan I think really appreciated. You know, uh, and then we went off, and there was a video intermission, and then the curtain opened up and revealed the big set, and there was Def Leppard playing Hysteria. So, um, you know, having said that, I, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to present this upcoming Vegas show this summer. Um, we will be reconvening again to discuss that at the end of March at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, we're going to be together for about five or six days. And, and I a, think that's when huge, a huge congratulations on that. That's That's got to make you feel amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know the with the passage of time, the more it kind of really sinks in. Just what a what an honor it is for for the band to have it, and uh, I really think, um, you know, I, I have a very unique perspective on Def Leppard. I've been w- with the band as a member of Def Leppard for twenty seven years, but yeah. for many many years before that, I was a fan. I mean, going back to before the first album, I remember buying the Wasted single. Uh, and then all all the albums uh, from then on up until I joined the band. Now I get the records free. And a lot <laughs> but, of people, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't realize how young they were when they first came around. I saw their very first tour opening up for Ozzy Osbourne, and that was what nineteen eighty one, something like that. Maybe nineteen eighty, something yeah, like that. Yeah, pro- pro- probably nineteen eighty. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rick Rick Allen was Rick was sixteen oh, when man. the band <laughs> was out there. I mean, he, he had to have his parents. Wow. contracts for him and stuff and chaperone him. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I really think Def Leppard deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Uh, Leppard, Leppard is a band that, that you know, uh, since before my tenure and since my tenure, I don't think that Def Leppard's ever gotten a lot of industry recognition. We've always uh, got our fan base and our, our loyal fan base, our core fan base is, is, has been with us forever and sticks with us. And in fact, that, that's probably the biggest and most exciting aspect of all of this with the Hall of Fame is the fact that we won the biggest ever popular vote. I really think that that speaks volumes about Def Leppard's fan base. And, uh, just they are dedicated, how, that how, I know. How connected they are to the band and yep. how much history we have together. So, um, you know, but that, this perspective I have, you know, of being in the band 27 years, but being a, a, a fan of the band for many years beforehand, you know, I, I think... You know, I really speaking as a, as a sort of an outsider. You know, having not been there since day one, um, I, I really, really feel that the band deserves it. I really feel that Steve Clark's memory deserves it. I feel that that Pete Willis deserves to be there too. And I know that Joe reached out to Pete, and and you know, I, I hope he shows up. And um, you know, because the early records are, are what started the band going. I mean, that that's the foundation upon all of this on which all of this was built, you know? Sure, absolutely. And, uh, well, man, I'm telling you, the people in Vegas are going to be in for quite a thrill, so start making your uh, travel plans now. You guys are going to be playing the Zappos Theater at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino August 14th, 16th, 17th, 20th, 23rd, 24th. Am I tiring you yet? The 29th, 31st, September 1st, 4th, 6th, and 7th. And, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Beyond or before, you never know. But tickets went on sale this past Friday as a pre-sale, I believe, and uh, will continue to be on sale. So uh, get your tickets now to... Uh, to experience them in Vegas like uh, you've never seen before. So really, really sounds like a lot of fun. Indeed, it will be. It'll be a good time. So, Vivian, I can't thank you for uh, for speaking with us here at Junkman Radio. It's uh, It's been a thrill for me and, uh, and our audience here. But uh, 
I uh, I want to uh, let you get on your merry way, man. It's just been so much to, to talk about. It. We'll uh, we'll have to uh, do it again sometime. Thank you, Junkman. You got oh, it. Was a pleasure. You Hang on good. the line for a little bit. I'm going to play a little "Blackout the Sun" uh, to to lead out on that. Again, it's Junkman okay. Radio. Uh, go find Last in Line Two. Uh, find record sellers and all the places that I just mentioned. Uh, it's it's out now on Frontiers Music. Uh, Def Leppard in Las Vegas again. Coming up at the Zappos Theater at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino in August and September. Tickets are now on sale. So again, my thanks to Vivian Campbell. Hang out for a second, and uh, it's Junk Band Radio. Cranking out Black Out the Sun, brand new from Last in Line.
Wolfman Radio. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that was cool. My thanks to Vivian Campbell for calling in and telling us all about the Last in Line record, Last in Line 2, the name of it. And, uh, of course, the uh, the Def Leppard uh, concert's coming up in Las Vegas. A residency is what they're referring to. And uh, so go get your tickets now, man. It's coming up this summer. That's right. Into the fall. August and September in Las Vegas. Should be a hot time in the old town those evenings. Indeed. So anyway, my thanks for call- him calling in. And uh, really, really cool record. I like that. The, the record, everything that they've done on both of those last in line records just sounds great. So my hat's off to them. And a big thanks for calling in to the Junkman Radio Show. All right. Hey, lots of new stuff coming up and lots of new music coming out. Um, man, one in particular, and it's going to lead us into our uh, big feature that we do each and every show, the VintageRock.com six-pack. Okay? Six songs of a particular artist or genre or whatever I decide. And uh, all in the vintage rock genre. You know, VintageRock.com, great website. I contribute to them in a lot of ways, and there are sponsors to us here at Junk Band Radio, and I, I thank them for that. And uh, we're going to play six songs in a row. We're going to focus right now on one Mr. Sammy Hagar for a lot of reasons. One, well, hell, he's got a lot of work. He's got a lot of stuff that we play, a lot of rock and roll, and he's got a brand new one out with his band The Circle. So Sammy Hagar and The Circle. Some brand new music for them that we're going to start it out with. Of course, this band features uh, Michael Anthony on the on the bass and vocals. Michael from Van Halen, remember him? And uh, we got uh, one Mr. Vic Johnson on guitar. And yes, there's more, folks. Jason Bonham on drums. Kicking ass with Sammy Hagar in the circle. So let's start our VintageRock.com six-pack. Just uh, check it out for all your needs for vintage and rock and all kinds of fun things like that, great articles and interviews and a lot more. So we're going to start this out brand new from Sammy Hagar in the circle. This one's called Trust Fun Baby. You're listening to Junk Man Radio. Crank it, baby.
catch me if you can.
up and get your buzz on.
Funk Band Radio, baby, rocking the nation and a whole lot more. Montrose featuring the young Sam Hagar on the vocals and rock the nation, baby. Wrapping up a VintageRock.com six-pack featuring said Sam Hagar, also known as Sammy Hagar, as uh, you and I have known him the last number of years. <laughs> yeah. 72 years old, man, and kicking ass. He's got a brand new record out, which we played a little of uh, right there, of course, from the first Montrose record. The first time any of us ever heard of Sammy Hagar and Rock the Nation. One of the best, I don't know, I'd say one of the best rock records, I think, in my collection, all the way through, you know, front to back. Not a minute, not a second of filler on that record. Wore out a couple of copies of that in my lifetime. The all-star band Chicken Foot featuring Sammy Hagar and Joe Satriani on guitar. Oh, yeah. Michael Anthony on the bass and Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the drums. And Soap on a Rope, the name of the song, from Chicken Foot. Man, cool stuff as well. Just got that groove on that band. I actually got to see them live once, and that was a treat. Uh, a couple of them from Van Halen and uh, Eddie's involvement with Van Halen for a number of years. Probably their biggest success, to be honest with you, record sale-wise, that's for sure. And uh, a great song called Can't Stop Loving You, which is just, it shows Sammy's songwriting skills and Eddie's just unbelievable guitar playing. You know, Eddie has just recently been voted by, by one website or one magazine, whatever it was, as the greatest guitar player of all time. Well, you know, that's always debatable. Who's going to say who's the greatest? But, you know, Eddie's definitely one of the guys that you got to consider. He is just such a master, such a maestro. And Sammy, of course, what a perfect match those guys were for a number of years until, uh, well, you know, issues. You know, like any marriage, sometimes uh, you go through some rough spots, and that has yet to be resolved, unfortunately. The last thing they ever did was a great record. And uh, my favorite track off it, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. Love that record. Um, man, I'm telling you, it was uh, it was the last thing. You know, we thought, okay, I like this, man. It's just heavy, heavy, heavy guitar from Eddie and heavy vocals and great subject matter. It was a killer video, too, uh, for Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. Uh, Sammy Solo, a great song called Let Sally Drive. <laughs> man. All about cars and everything else that you would think uh, that Sammy would love. Just driving fast and let Sally drive on that one. Uh, Sammy Hagar and the Circle, the brand new one. And uh, the single Trust Fund Baby started things out. And again, Sammy, 72 years old. Everything he touches turns to gold or platinum or silver, whatever. He's a very successful man, and rightly so. Very dedicated and, uh, man, just a good guy all the way around and a killer singer, of course. Yup, of course. All right, I'm Junkman, playing you uh, Junkman Radio. All the best. All the best for my collection. And there's new stuff out, man. And again, I got to say, these will be guests on my show coming up soon. It's going to happen right here at Junkman Radio. Uh, from the Sacramento, California area. Yep. They get a brand new record. It's called Shock. This is brand new from Tesla.
That's right. Tesla. And the band and the song is called Taste Like. Here we go. Crank it up. It's Junk Band Radio.
Yeah, baby. A little bit of British stuff for you, right? All right. That uh, Junk Band Radio, my friends, that is the jam in a town called Malice. Sometime in the 80s, that one came out. Big hit on the dance floors there for a while. Back in my club DJ years. Man, what a time it was. Ah, yes. Let me tell you, kids. Sit on Grandpa's lap and we'll tell you all about the way things were in the 1980s. Yep, there was all kinds of cocaine and beautiful, unhibited women. And all kinds. Well, you know, we don't need to go into that. You probably lived it if you're listening to my show. If not, you missed out, dude. It was a lot of fun. The Jam and Town Called Malice. They have it. There's a documentary on that band that's out that I watched a while ago. The name of it escapes me, but uh, interesting uh, story with The Jam from Great Britain. The Creation, a cool band that I don't know a whole lot about, but I love that song. It's just so mod, you know, and it's uh, it's called Biff Bang Pow. <laughs> it just I heard that song. And I went, I got to play that one. So I found it. It's by a band called The Creation. Biff, bang, pow. Just it sounds so cool. <laughs> I thought you'd think so too, and I hope you did. Just makes you want to get on your mod gear and get on your scooter and go for a ride. Uh, for that, again, the band that kind of typified all that in the early 60s, The Who. And uh, from Quadrophenia, which was the movie all about the mod scene. The Punk and the Godfather, one of my favorite tracks off that record. Love that record. Just It's it's a classic. If you ever get a chance to see the movie, uh, Quadrophenia, it's awesome, too. Um, just a very, very, very cool look at uh, a scene in England in, uh, in the 60s. And, the, and it, was just a, it was just an interesting, interesting look at uh, something that I'd never seen before. I just kind of heard about it through the Who's music and other bands like that. So. Very, very cool. Started things out with a brand new one from Tesla. Love it. From their brand new Shock record, which is uh, being released. And a song called Taste Like. And Tesla will be on the show. They are currently on board a ship in the Bahamas. Yep. 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 One of them big rock and roll uh, cruise ship boats with a whole bunch of bands from back in the genre of the of the 80s rock and 90s rock, whatever. They're out there cruising along with a bunch of drunk people having a good time. <laughs> but when they get back to shore, they'll be uh, talking to us here at Junk Band Radio about that very record and a lot more. All right, I'm Junk Band having a good time. Uh, some tunes you may not have heard about, maybe you have, you know. I'm here for giving you all the above and a lot more. This particular one, some friends of mine from Southern California, that, uh, you know, they never really got over the hump. They were a big band in the club scene in the late 70s and early 80s. And they played uh, huge, huge shows in clubs like the Starwood and the Whiskey at Go-Go and uh, places down in Orange County and San Diego and all over the place. And big bands like Van Halen and other bands were opening up for them. The Runaways were opening up for them and other bands. And uh, there's a band called A La Carte based right here in Orange County. And the fact was, they just kind of went away. And a couple years ago, they got back together again and decided to take the songs that they had never recorded and record them. And that record came out really, really good. 
So uh, I was a part of uh, the beginning of that, and I'm good friends with the members of the band. And maybe one day we'll get them in the studio here, too, which would be great if we could collect all three of them. They are a power trio, and I mean with a lot of power and a lot of good stuff, uh, some cool tunes, great instrumental, and a lot more, and you're about to check them out right here. So let's check out A La Carte. The song is called No Tell Motel. You're listening to Junk Man on Junk Man Radio. Crank this up.
records in the closet They're hidden away so I can't see I wonder who you've been using them on Cause you ain't been using them on me Tied up, tied down and twisted, babe You got my heart wrapped up in chains say junk man radio and the buddha heads also known as bb chunk king and the screaming buddha heads that song was called tied up tall down and twisted baby great stuff some local rock and roll here in uh from orange county uh the late great uh alan also known as uh bb chunk king uh, passed away a couple years ago oh, what a great guitar player he was oh my god 
Holy moly. Played a lot uh, down in the Orange County area, uh, L.A. area, um, quite a bit. You know, been around a long time and uh, unfortunately passed away just a couple years ago. But a great song right there. So look them up, the Buddha Heads. Uh, for that, we did uh, my buddy's Little, Little Caesar doing their take on the classic Woodstock. Just bluesed it up. As we like to say, Little Caesarized it. <laughs> yeah, they did. Ah, good stuff. Man, rocking them with them. Uh, another band that uh, you may not have heard of, but played a lot locally here in Orange County and L.A. area, Laidlaw. That was a band that existed uh, a number of years ago. They opened up on tours for Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top, bands like that. But uh, a great song called The Five Knuckle Shuffle. And started things out with A La Carte, yet another band, a local band that, uh, well, you know, again, they broke up around 1981, 82, something like that. And then they had never recorded any records together. So they decided to get together maybe about two years ago and decided to, let's put it all down on tape. And it sounded great. So that right there, it was a great song called No Tell Motel. All right, I'm Junk Man, heading out of here today. I want to thank my guest, uh, Vivian Campbell, for calling in today and talking all about the last in line of Def Leppard updates that uh, he's got going on. I'm going to leave you guys with something brand new from Dream Theater. That's right. Dream Theater's got a brand new record out, and this is the first single off it. You're going to love it. This is called Paralyzed, new from Dream Theater on Junk Man Radio. See ya!
Cool dude coming through that door. 